Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Life's Multiverse. Today we are joined by a very special guest, Star Hansen, also known as Declutter Whisperer. With her unique approach to decluttering, Star doesn't just help people tidy up, she helps them uncover the hidden narratives that lie beneath every pile. Whether you're someone who is constantly battling with clutter or just curious about the psychology behind it, and I promise that this episode will be an eye-opener. So without further ado, let's dive in and discover the secrets that our clutter has been trying to tell us. Tar, welcome to our show. I'm very happy to have you here. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. So I've been looking for our conversation. I'm very excited to learn more about what you're doing. Uh, your like career seems very, very interesting about clutter organizing and everything and your phrase the monsters in your closet this is very intriguing i would like to know more about that so can you absolutely tell? yeah so i'm a certified professional clutter whisperer well i'm a certified professional organizer and clutter whisperer and what i do is i help people get organized but more than that i help them figure out what is stopping them from getting organized i recently wrote a book called why the f am i still not organized and it's all about exploring the monster in your closet. What are the things that are stopping you from actually making progress? Because I don't know anyone who just got clutter yesterday and they dealt with it once and it was over. Like most people who have clutter have been dealing with it for decades. And it's not that they haven't tried and it's not that they don't want to get organized. It's that they feel like something's stopping them. And oftentimes they believe that it's themselves. They think that they're the problem and they're the issue. And if they could just do it better, different, then everything would change. And I help people really start to determine what is in the clutter keeping you disorganized. And that is the monster in your closet. That's awesome. Yeah, very interesting to know. And from your uh, experience, from your what, what you've been doing, what do you think is the most common reason between people that's holding them back from getting rid of their clutter? What do you the, think? The most common thing is that people are using their clutter in some way to have their needs met. So I don't want to discount the fact that clutter can be a symptom of a trauma. It can be a symptom of the way that your brain is wired. A lot of neurotypical systems don't work for everybody, right? A lot of mainstream systems are not meant for every human brain. So we do have to find the right systems for you. But when you have recurring clutter, and my methodology specifically is for recurring clutter, meaning that you have attempted to get organized over and over again, what I've discovered is that there are several ways that people use their clutter to get their needs met. And I'll give you an example. So, you know, one way that we use our clutter is a boundary. So if we feel like we need some space. Like maybe you work a job where you are very busy. And the last thing you want when you come home at the end of the day is to have to welcome people into your home. And if your home is cluttered, you're not going to have anybody over. So the clutter, as much as you may not want the clutter, you may not like it. It's a great excuse to not have people over. Oh, no, no, I can't. The house is a mess. I've seen people use their clutter to help protect them, seen them use it to, you know, help Say, you know, basically like keep their husband from finding something that they didn't want them to find. Like, oh, okay, great. My husband will just devour this, you know, this treat. So I'm going to hide it so that he can't devour it. I bought it for me. I want it for me. So it can be subtle like that, but it can also be quite big. You know, it can be a way that we communicate with other people. I once had a couple 
and I talk about this in my TEDx talk, who had a broken teacup sitting out on their counter for over a year because they were blaming each other for it having been broken. And they didn't talk about it. They didn't say it, but they said it through the stuff. So there's a lot of ways that we use our clutter. And then what happens is those pieces of clutter that are doing something, I call them activated clutter. And that clutter that's doing something then magnetizes and draws into it all this more neutral clutter to help cover it. Because oftentimes we're trying to avoid you know, something that's in our clutter. We don't want to have that conversation. We don't want to think about the loved one who died and, you know, causes us great trauma to think about. We don't want to feel those emotions. So we cover them with other clutter that feels more neutral. But that's why when you have a lot of clutter and you, and someone else looks around and says, it's just paper, just clear, clean it up. But you don't know what's hiding in that clutter. You don't know what that clutter means to them. So it's much more complicated than it seems. Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, it sounds to me like your work is very intertwined with therapy. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm not a therapist, but I do. I just love looking at the deeper cause. I love seeing. And it's to me, one of the greatest things that someone can say is, Oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. That's so logical. I'm not here to, you know, wave a magic wand and have some magic special thing that I do. I don't have like a special credentialing to be a therapist, but I look at the evidence and we all have the ability and the power to look at the evidence in our home and really start to make a change based on what the clutter is asking from us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That makes absolute sense. And linking it with psychology. Uh, this is fascinating. How how did it come to you? How did this idea come to you? Is it like on your own or you you learned about it somewhere? No. Well, so I started organizing over 20 years ago. And when I started, there was not a big industry the way it is now. It was very small. It was very niche. I mean, we're a niche industry now. So we were very niche then. So when I started, it was just, you know, it was just because I was good at it. It was something that I felt like it was a natural fit. I knew that I was a healer. I always could feel that about myself. And so it felt like a good fit. And then as I was organizing with people, you know, the, I always used to say, I can teach anyone how to organize, but it takes, you know, what it takes to be a good organizer is to be able to work with people because it's personalities, it's emotions, it's how their brain works. It's the way that the types of patterns that they need for their routines. You really have to be able to you know, really get personal and see what's going on beyond the guard. And so what I, what would happen is, is I was working in these homes and I would just start to notice that I was like, Hmm, we just organized that. Why didn't it stay organized? And you know, you, you tweak the system and you adjust. And, but after a while you just think, well, wait, it can't just be systems. Like we have, we've, we live in a time where we've never had more organizing systems and solutions. So by that logic, we should all be organized. There should be no clutter anywhere because there are countless videos and books and bins. And, and yet we've never been more disorganized. And so I help people to really start to explore why is that? And, and it just, it's almost like through my own experience with people and noticing what would work for them when we really started addressing the deeper cause, when we could name why they needed the clutter and then ideally get that need met without the clutter, that is when everything started to change. That was when people didn't need to use their clutter in that way and the clutter didn't need to be present in their lives and it was able to be released because they had their needs met without that clutter. Yeah, it should be fair. 
very satisfying for you when you unlocked this like kind of secret in your psychology. <laughs> Completely. Right? Oh yeah. It's so much fun. Well, and sometimes it's, it's hard because I can't force it upon someone. So mm-hmm. I might go to your house and I might see immediately, you know, what's going on. But if you're not ready and if you don't really want to know, it's not my job to bring it to you. It's not my job to tell like, oh, did you know that you're ready to leave your spouse? Like, did you know that <laughs> you hate your job? Hey, financial scarcity is big here, right? Like, like we work really hard to hide, you know, the pain points in our life. And so I really try to work hard to show up where people are, that yeah. I meet them where they are. So I don't I'm not going to force you to change your life or leave your partner. Or, right. you know, it's yeah, like move to I, I a new country. That not many people see you as a homewrecker. <laughs> in like the worst, in the best way. But no, it's, you know, it's just, it's for me, like anything, the problems that we perceive are problems in our lives are not necessarily externally driven. You know, there's, there's a great saying, if A plus B equals C and you change A, it can never equal C again. And so you changing, you looking at the clutter and using the clutter to understand what's really going on for you is oftentimes the change that we need to make. We don't necessarily need to derail our life or our career or city or whatever's going on, buy a new home, get 15 new pieces of furniture, even though our ego brain and that, you know, like that frantic brain wants to do all of that. I just need the right box. I just need the right partner. I married the wrong person. I did this. It's like, no, no, no. Maybe instead of, you know, making that drastic change, you just need new communication skills. You need to stand more strongly in who you are. Like there's, there's ways that we can just show up differently in our lives. There's skills that we can acquire. I had a, a partner or a couple that I was working with and I could tell at the beginning, the wife did not want to be there. She was done. She was done. It was not a happy situation. And I didn't, you know, of course I did not, I did not say this to her because this is her journey. And two years in, she confessed that that's how she had felt. But, you know, during the process of organizing, she learned how to speak up for herself. She saw based on the evidence of the clutter around her, where she felt scared, what she needed to heal, the way she needed to, you know, get more communication skills, the way she needed to, you know, process things with her partner. And at the end, they stayed together and they're happier than ever. And that's not how she thought it was going to go at the start. So it's often very different than it never ends the way we think it's going to. It's not a fairy tale. And sometimes it's amazing. And sometimes it's, it is starting over. It is rethinking your life. Right. Yeah. And may I ask like, how much is the, how would you uh, rate your success rate? For example, like what is the success rate in this terms? Uh, Do you think like it works in every single situation or there are like uh, situations? No, there's no, it doesn't work every single time. And I'll tell you why, because not everybody's ready for that growth or change. Some people just Mm want to move stuff around their house and you know, I, I know clearly I don't work well with people who just want to pay me to do the job for them. I mean, I won't even take those clients. And I learned that in my career because that's not what I do. And when I've tried to do that, when I've tried to work with people like that, it ends very poorly for both of us because I am bored and unsatisfied. They are Mm -hmm. unsatisfied and irritated. It's just not a good situation because I just, and most professional organizers don't want to come and do it for you. We are part instructional. We are here to help you figure out how to set up systems for your brain. If I come to your house and set up systems, you're living in my brain. I want you to live in your brain. So it's, you know, we really want to use the process of organizing to teach people how to organize specifically to teach them how to organize for their brain 
develop and learn resilience and then start to really understand, you know, cause you need the basics of organizing first always, you know, and I always tell people, if you don't know how to organize, you're always going to use that as an excuse to not be organized. And so I, <laughs> I created a freebie for people that they can download the 10 steps for how to get organized. If they go to organizing is and there, you now know how to organize. So that can't be an excuse anymore. So let's get to what's really going on. And that's the magic. So when people show up and they do this journey, it always is effective because they get what they need. And when I would say it's not effective, if, if they're really doing the process, it's because they're not ready to make the change yet. Sometimes when you see that you collecting a hundred stuffed animals is your grief about a child who passed away and you're not ready to get therapy yet, it's not going to work. I mean, it's, and, mm -hmm. and I will say that that's still successful because you're not ready to process that yet. And who am I to tell you that you should, this is your journey. This is your time. It's I've had devastating losses in my life. And there are pieces of those that I have processed very deeply. And there are pieces I am not ready to touch with a 10 foot pole. And that's my prerogative. I get to do that. And so I really hold space for everybody to be on their own journey. I want to help illuminate it, but you don't have to take action just because you see the monster in your closet. You can just notice that it's there and choose to live your life. You don't have to make a giant change right now. You can do it when it feels right to you. Yeah. So they have to decide when, when they're ready to move on and make this change in their life. And, on and the also end, what? Sorry. And also if some people yeah. never want to make this change and that's okay. I think is the, onlookers, we have to also respect and appreciate that someone is on their own journey and that my version of done may not look like their version of done. My version of success right. may not look like yours. And my job is to hold space for your version of success to show up in your life, even though mine may look different and to have a lot of love for people on whatever journey they're on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Understandable. And, uh, like the, Results of your work, have you noticed the uh, mental, like the effect of mental health or well-being on people when, when they're, when they achieve their goals, let's say? Absolutely. I always say I could care less about before and after pictures. Like I, uh -huh. I just, I don't care about those, but what my after picture that I'd want to see and that I actually do get regularly is how happy someone is living their life. My after picture is not your perfectly organized pantry. My after picture is you texting me from vacation with your spouse saying, I've never been happier. Thank you for helping me free myself. Or someone saying, I finally met someone after 20 years of being single. That's my after picture. My after picture is that you are out there living your best life. And not that life is perfect, but that you understand how to manage chaos when it comes that you have this resilience to know that you are not your chaos and that you are capable of managing it and that it's not holding you back the way it used to. You're not waiting for someday for the clutter to be gone, to live your life to the fullest. Yeah, absolutely inspiring. So now my question to you is like for, for people sitting at home, like for example, I always take an example with my mom because she has an absolutely strange relationship with clutter like I always tell her that she should get rid of stuff and she should get organized. And she also seems to have the willing to do it, but she never does. Yeah. And uh, what advice can you give to her or me in how to deal with this situation? And for many other people that are facing the same problems in their daily life, 
because sometimes it's it's hard for us to know the reason we are attached to our clutter. So absolutely. Well, one of the things, and this is something I want to offer to you, your mom and your listeners is I'd love to give you all a free copy of my book because that will be a huge first step. Um, people can get it at starhansen.com forward slash podcast. And that's S T A R H A N S E N. And you know, that'll just get you in the door for you as a support person. When it comes to your mom's clutter, I'll start there. So, so often we perceive as the onlookers and the support, the support folks is that we need to just, you know, keep them on task. We need to remind them, are you getting organized? How much organization did you do today? What did I, and all that does is make them feel ashamed. It makes them feel like they're not doing enough, makes them feel judged. So the opposite can often be helpful instead of trying to measure their progress. Hey, tell me something you remembered about yourself today while you were organizing. Did you find anything really cool? What was beautiful? Did you, did you see anything from your past that you'd love to tell me a story about? I'd love to know you more because so often they're judged and instead to have someone take an actual interest in what they find. Because I will tell you as an organizer, 70% of what, no, maybe not 70%, like 40% of what we do is us listening to people's stories having someone tell me why this is hard for them or something that they love or a moment, because especially as people get older, they feel like they don't matter. They feel unimportant and, and they lived a strong, powerful life just because this is not the most active chapter of their life does not mean that they are not valuable or important. And so the first thing we can do is really take an interest in who they are through the lens of organizing with no judgment, no need for them to (laughs) perform when it comes to, from your mom's perspective, the idea of having clutter and wanting to make progress, but not really sure why you can't make progress. One of the things that people can do is you can kind of acknowledge if there's a, like, then we kind of talk about the other monster in your closet. Like who is stopping you from getting organized? And generally yeah. there's a few different things that often get in the way. One is big emotions. A lot of times we perceive organizing as a task. I just got to go in there and clean my closet, organize my room, do this, you know, and it's not that at all. It really is a deeper, especially if that clutter has been longstanding, that represents, it's like an archaeological dig of your heart through your home. It's a big deal. And so you want to take your time. Organizing is not just something you do super fast and then you get it done and it's done forever. Organizing is hygiene. It's care of yourself through care of your home. It's something you're going to do. If you have a home, it's going to be something you do for the rest of your life in that home. That's just normal. The way that we care for our bodies. And just like our bodies, if you don't care for your bodies, it's going to wear down mm-hmm. just like with our home. And so the first thing we can do is slow down the process, make space to process those big emotions that come up. Another thing that I tell people is often they perceive that clutter is all the same. You know, I just have clutter all over my house. It's all this clutter. There's no clutter that's the same. I want to know when I'm diagnosing someone's clutter, like figuring out what their clutter is doing for them, what room is it in? Like, where's the clutter? And then what is the clutter? Because the where will tell me the area of your life that it's connected to. And the what of the clutter will tell me what it's trying to do for you. And she can learn more about this in the book, but it's, we want to start to dig into the nuances because when everything is important, nothing is important. And so we just want to like calm ourselves, find a lens that feels easy. 
And then the third thing that I will say, and just so you know, when, when your listeners go to the page to download the book, they can also take the monster quiz and find out what monster is keeping them stuck. So they can, oh, wow. they have lots of options. Yeah. So they can find out exactly what monsters stick, like keeping them stuck and the book. But the other thing is we often perceive that we need to do the whole house or we're so frustrated. I got to do the whole garage or the whole guest bedroom or, and the truth is if I was there with you, it might take me a professional who's been doing this for 20 years, three days to do that room that you are trying to do in four hours. And so be gentle and instead start small, put on a song, put on just one song, your favorite song, and just collect garbage for the duration of that song or find donations for the duration of that song or put things back to their proper home. Start slow because a lot of us have been trying to organize for so long and we feel beat down by the process. And we've learned through the you know, our failings that we can't trust ourselves. And we have to flip that script. We have to start small enough that we can start to see a shift now and not when we've done the whole house or the whole garage or the the whole block. So we have to start small. And those, those are a few ways that she can get started in a way that would feel hopefully powerful to her. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely helpful. Very helpful tips to start. Uh, One thing you mentioned is the shame. I think this is a very important point. It's a key factor when it comes to clutter. And now when I'm linking these things with my mom, I I think I can relate on that. Uh, What do you think is the key step in overcoming this shame, shameful feeling? Brene Brown wrote a great book a few years ago called Atlas of the Heart. And in this book, she describes the definitions for like 86 words And it's brilliant. It's so great. It's not an easy read because it's really confronting for Mm -hmm. things that you're processing through, but it's a beautiful, a beautiful book. And when she talks about shame, the thing that sticks out the most to me is when she said the antidote to shame is connection. Because when we feel shame, we hide, we Mm -hmm. put ourselves in the shadows and we, we think it's, oh, it's so bad. I can't show anybody else. And that only perpetuates and expands the shame, makes it feel more real, makes us feel more sickened by it. Whereas if you start to share, if you really connect, this is, I mean, it's the whole reason why I created my chaos to calm organizing community. I created an online community. We get together and we organize together and we talk about the emotions that get stuck when we're organizing and why it's hard. And when people first join, they're so embarrassed and like they don't have their cameras on and I don't want to show you and I'm just the worst. And then slowly over time, they're showing us everything. Oh, here's under the bed and here's this because you realize I'm not running from you. Your other community members, we're not running from you. We all have our version of this. Nobody's judging you. And by noticing that we're not being judged, it allows us to open up and then we can actually start to do the work. And it's just so beautiful to see that when we're able to let other people in, safe people, not people who are emotionally abusive or who are judgmental or who are going to criticize us, like, yes, please have boundaries with those people. But when we're able to share this very vulnerable thing with safe people, may maybe it's a friend, a family member, an organizing community like I have, a therapist, whoever you feel safe sharing it with, just doing that one tiny thing, it doesn't feel tiny, but doing that one thing is hugely life transforming because 99% of the time, if you pick a safe person, they're not going to run or say anything yucky. They're going to just say, thank you for showing me. It's not that bad. I've seen worse. Like we've all seen, we've all seen worse friend. So it's just allowing, you know, and, and it takes time, but really like, I will never forget the antidote to shame is connection and, and being seen and allowing ourselves to be vulnerable. Yeah. Very wise words. 
And um, very interesting book, the, the one you mentioned. So uh, before wrapping up, I wanted to touch uh, on the topic of digital clutter that you all also talked about. Uh, how do you link that to the actual physical clutter? What do you think is the common factors here on this psychological uh, level that you were talking about? It's the exact same as the physical stuff. It's there's really no difference. There's nuances of, you know, I always would say, well, what is it? Right. It's not just like digital files or emails, right? Are you leaving emails in your inbox, for example, because you don't want to forget to do them? That's mm-hmm. a reminder. That's how we're using clutter to help us remind, you know, remind ourselves right. not to not yeah. to forget it, right? Yeah. You can solve that by creating a task list. And instead of using your email inbox as a task list, which is dangerous because anyone can put anything they want in there, you create a task list and you move things from your email over to tasks. Now, if you have, you know, documents that are sitting on your desktop, it might be because maybe you don't have a folder system. So creating a folder system that you love that works for you, or maybe you need a little bit of help figuring out how to work your computer better so that when you have things tucked away, you don't feel like it's out of sight, out of mind. Maybe you are someone who needs really good search capabilities. Like I'm a Mac user and I love Mac because all I have to do is type one word that's in anything that I am looking for and it will pull it right up. And I love that so much. So we have to kind of look at, okay, are we having anxiety about having things out? Does the system match you? Is there an emotional component? Do I have, like, am I leaving documents out from a book that I'm writing that I'm avoiding, that I'm scared to work on? Like, what is the thread? Like, what are you, what are you really surrounding yourself with? It's not enough to say I've got documents everywhere. What kind of documents are they? Are they financial documents? Are they showcasing your desire to build abundance or your fear of scarcity? Is it showcasing something that you're trying to build that you're feeling really overwhelmed with? Like, that's what what really tells me what's going on is we have to get into the details of it and start to explore. And then, you know, it's two part. It's one, making sure those emotional needs are getting met, but then two, also making sure the system is built for how your brain works, because we want to build systems that support each person in their own unique ways. Yeah. Very insightful. Thank you so much, Star. I, I should myself start doing that with my inbox because it's an absolute mess. And uh, I think everyone should run to read your book after this, because I believe what you just shared is just the tip of the iceberg. And there's a whole lot of information out there that we, we need to learn more about because it's an absolutely interesting topic. And it's not very much mentioned in the media or other other places. So thank you so much for being here. That was an absolute pleasure having you. Oh, thank you for having me. It was great to chat. Awesome. Thank you.